Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mindshifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Thursday, February 16th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, And that chapter of that book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again, absolutely free. You can also download a whole host of audio files of shows like this one where people have called in and been stepped through that worksheet process. If you choose to listen to those, they can serve as a tutorial for you to get maximum benefits from this tool in the shortest possible time. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you choose to tap on it, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process. And it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives when they do that. Secondarily, it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, or testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, please do so. Give us a call at 563-999-3581. 
call that number and press 1, and it'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll turn on your microphone and announce you by your area code, and we can have a conversation. If you'd like to contact us and you don't have access to calling in live, you can send me an email at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. Or you can email Jeannie at J-E-A-N-I-E at whyagain.org. That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. If we receive a question or a comment or a testimonial from you, we will address it on the Internet show and then as time allows, send you um, a response letting you know what day and time your comment or question was addressed on the show, and you can listen back to the archives for the input or the discussion. And we appreciate it whenever anybody does that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we hold with this work is to be of service. And if you would be so kind as to let us know how we can be of service to you, that would be greatly appreciated. We've been spending, uh, the year before last, we we read through the uh, Course in Miracles lessons each day in the workbook, and then uh, yet last year we worked through the Way of Mastery, and it took us a little more than a year, but we got through all 35 lessons, reading it with commentary, and most of the lessons multiple times. And this year we've begun the year with a commitment to doing more actual worksheet processes and or making the space for people to discuss worksheets they've done between radio shows and get feedback or help framing them out or actually doing the worksheets live on the air. And the... um, The reason for that is because of the tremendous benefit that many of us experience when we actively apply the tools in our lives. I should mention that uh, today is a Thursday, which means there will be another support group tonight. As my grandmother would say, God willing and the creek don't rise. And all the information you would need to join us for free in that Endeavor is available on the MindShiftersAcademy.org website. And there's a separate page for the information to log in for Tuesdays and Thursdays. And We'd be happy to have you join us or to have you forward the information to someone that you know who you think might be interested. It is not... Um, uh, a quick fix or a miracle cure, and yet these tools provide reliable improvement to my life situations the more I apply them. And the support groups tend to be uh, a way to amplify the benefit, a way to uh, get support for the work and to have energetic support, emotional support, the intellectual support from people who've done more worksheets and and understand the process at deeper and deeper levels. So um, if that 
would be of value to you or someone you know, please pass that information along. And again, just check us out at the uh, MindShiftersAcademy.org website. And uh, all the information for joining the support group is there, and there's all kinds of other resources there, including on the educational materials page, there is the the uh, mental short version of the reality management work pro- process, which is uh, a simple five-step thing that I created to help introduce people to the reality management worksheet. It is far simpler. It is many, many, many fewer words on the page, and and yet it has the core of the forgiveness process in it. And I have found it extraordinarily useful to introduce people to the forgiveness process in my therapy sessions using that tool and letting them get used to using it on the fly in their life events and then uh, whenever they're ready graduate to the written seven-step worksheet process and um, and then keep that mental short version tool uh, at the ready as they live their life and they may be in a situation where it isn't feasible to um, stop and pull out a worksheet and write things down or get the app on their phone out and start typing things in. So... That's available. The forgiveness pattern is on that page and is available. And it's available in a PDF that you can download. It's also available as a recording that I've done and then posted there. So you can just click the link and close your eyes and do a little silent meditation as I recite that kind of forgiveness pattern, reminding myself to cancel my need to be right and staying open to whatever bubbles up into my awareness as I engage that tool. So we have plenty of time for comments, questions, answers, testimonials, 563-999-3581. And um, if you have comments or questions about the show yesterday, talking about the work I had reported and doing between internet shows and the worksheets and the energy work I did related to the hip and leg pain and the uh, emotion of fear, which I have discovered is quite often related to my Uh, hip discomfort or the hip going out kind of thing and um, and expectations I have the um, ever since I was young I've had this idea that I'm supposed to meet some very high ideal and expectation 
and uh, one of my big, big issues has been if I ever thought I was going to be a disappointment to someone, it would it would bring on um, really intense emotions and or procrastination or avoidance. And um, and often it would get lodged in uh, tissue and present as physical issues, whether it's back pain or migraines. And it's been a, a true blessing in my life to realize that that's, that's something I'm doing within myself and I can actually make significant change in by the use of these tools. I can dismantle the intense upset that I've been creating in fear or in disappointment when the unfolding of life doesn't match what my hope or goal for it is. And the most um, the most frequent tool that I use in that process is the reality management worksheet because if I have some kind of an expectation for myself, now I've got a stated thought and goal. And if I just, even if it hasn't happened yet, I can put myself in the position of anticipating, so how would I feel if I wasn't able to live up to this goal? And I can put that on the worksheet process. And, of course, in that particular worksheet, my goal is going to be to live up to that ideal. And when I cancel a thought and the goal, whatever it is about those words, that dynamic, those people that are involved, they're going to resonate energies and emotions in my mind that are specific to that thought pattern. And it is part of the genius of this work that it bypasses my conscious logical mind. I did another bit of work since the show yesterday around the very powerful memories I have of being three, four, five years old and and basically having an ache to be able to be perfect and perfectly loving. And I was raised in this very gentle family and um, it was in a Catholic tradition and the idea was if you... If you are uh, good enough with your intention, if you pray hard enough, if you are pure enough in your mind and your thought, that whatever you pray for, you're going to get. It's going to come true. And that, you know, basically um, in that tradition, there are a number of different I'll call them premises that um, I understand now are way off base, but I didn't understand when I was young. I just took it all for granted. These were my parents and grandparents that 
would attend these church functions and read these biblical stories and you know talk about it as though it was all it was as solid a truth as the fact that I was a living and breathing being and because of that I downloaded this kind of not kind of this extraordinarily idealistic vision of what I was supposed to do in my life to be a good person and just with whoever I was as a person I used to ache at the thought that I had disappointed anybody whether it's disappointing God or disappointing a family or a loved one or disappointing a teacher or and that idea has now you know attached itself to me anytime I have any kind of a physical difficulty and so I know when I do the worksheets around an ache or a pain or a headache or my hip going out or my leg not working right or there being leg pain or knee pain that part of what I'm releasing in my worksheets is this sense that I'm going to be a disappointment to people if I don't remain 100% healthy and as I was mentioning, that is that runs very, very deep into my childhood. It goes back, I specifically remember it as early as four and five years old. A lot of the different energy work things I've done say it goes back to three years old, although I don't have any specific memories of that. And so I... I did another set of goal cancelings and the worksheet process over this last evening and, and again this morning and became aware of an anger at my spirit guides or God, him or herself or whatever you want to call it because I wouldn't be strong enough to stay, they wouldn't give me the strength to be strong enough to stay perfectly loving in all situations. And as an adult, when I hear that, when I write that down, when it comes to me so strongly and I write it down, it seems laughable. And yet I have these very vivid memories of believing that this is viable. I should be able to stay absolutely loving in every situation. And every time I am not able to do that, it means that I have failed and I have disappointed somebody. And, of course, that means disappointing myself. So one of the things that the series of worksheets I've done over the years is helping me do is Get connected to, mentally, emotionally connected to, remembering and and then comforting my younger self and helping my younger self step into some more realistic expectations about life, about my potential, about my resources as a person when I'm 
you know, three, four, five, six years old. And I'm here to tell you, it's an extraordinary relief to me to be able to do this work and feel lighter, feel the, the the ability to be more gentle with myself as I remember myself at different ages. You might I might call it at that time I might have called it failing to stay loving in all situations. And this dovetailed this last this this morning as I was listening to the uh the book about a Walk in the Physical. This is from Christian Sundberg, and he has a memory of having a pre-life experience, and he's talking about the deep knowing that we're all just here to get better and better at bringing the, the conscious awareness of love the creative flow of life into situations that are less than love. And and it's literally what we're here for. And and we're here in a setup, in a situation, in a in a simulated reality, if you will, that's specifically designed for us to be challenged going into the gym and you go over to the weight bar and you you figure out you know what size barbell or or dumbbell you can lift easily and then you start doing some repetitions of that and then you upgrade to a heavier weight and you do some repetitions of that and then you upgrade to a heavier weight until your muscles get really fatigued and then you give it a day or two to rest and repair and you go back and you keep lifting heavier weights why it hurts it gets you tired why would you do that the point is you get stronger as you do it well he's talking about how in this world that we live in one way to look at it is what we call life challenges or tragedies are simply opportunities for us to bring the way the way of mastery would say it in one of the darshan lessons is it's an opportunity for me to bring new awareness new presence new strength to energies that once defeated me so Here's this life that's unfolding. Here is this physical body that I'm in, in, inhabiting. Here are these life events with friends or family members that are having very difficult circumstances to go through that I can't save them from. I can't rescue them from. And the more that happens in a short period of time, the more I feel tired, the more I feel overwhelmed by the sadness or grief, the more I feel upset that I can't fix or save, 
my friends or my family or my patients, the greater opportunity it is for me, like lifting heavier and heavier weights in the gymnasium, to exercise practicing being loving in these more difficult situations. And it is not a failure when I'm not able to stay loving. It's just practice. And there'll be another opportunity in the next moment. And there'll be another opportunity tomorrow when I wake up. And I don't know how this is landing with you, but with me, as I read this book or listen to the book on audio, it really seems positive and hopeful to me. It really seems like a very useful way to conceptualize not just the flow of events in my life, but also how I evaluate the ways I respond, my ability to respond lovingly, etc. And it is... Um, I'm finding it very uplifting. I'm finding it a useful... Um, template and it's given me a few different worksheets just the the idea of uh, viewing myself as being a disappointment to myself or others and then all right there's a, a good worksheet to do because it's not it's unrealistic to think that i will be able to um at the drop of a hat stay totally open and loving and expansive in each new present moment, even as the world is bringing me greater and greater challenges. Just like it would be unrealistic to expect I could go into the gym for the first time and lift the heaviest weights there nonstop for hours and never get tired. And so one of the things that I know I benefit from that's come up in the several of the last worksheets is that I have I could benefit from having more realistic expectations and being more gentle with myself whenever my evaluation is that I have fallen short of my expectations. To view it as simply a trial and error, an exercise, a process for strengthening my abilities to stay conscious of my loving nature, to get stronger over time as I practice, as I live life, as I dive in deeply, as I let myself feel the emotions that we were talking about yesterday with uh, Susan, that the uh, the patterns that many of us have grown into from our families include labels and judgments about how it isn't safe or it isn't appropriate to be in direct awareness of and to fully express our emotional response to life. 
whether it was in the situation that Susan was talking about, her sister would get very seriously hit, beaten, you know, physical punishment if she would cry. So whether it's that or whether it's shunning that happens. I mean, there are some people that they weren't spanked or they weren't hit. They didn't use corporal punishment in their family, but the family would send them to their room until they can come out with a happy face. Or they would give them the silent treatment for hours or days on end if they if their behaviors or emotions weren't as to fit the family template. And if you have any of those patterns you're aware of, these tools are exceptionally useful in dismantling the energies that each and every one of us have downloaded over the years as we worked to just survive in our family of origin. And if there's anything about the pattern that you've downloaded that leaves you feeling less than loving, less than gentle with yourself in your assessment of yourself and your skills in life, we highly recommend the use of these tools to expand your coping skills and to reevaluate any negative judgments of yourself to something that is a more realistic set of expectations and um, evaluations. So the call-in number is 563-999-3581. How can we support you today? What's on your mind? Area code 541, is this Celinda? Yes, it is. <laughs> I laugh now when I say that. <laughs> Welcome. Yes, it is I. <laughs> I really um, thank you for what you've shared this morning because I also had those issues of disappointment uh, to the point of feeling that there was something inherently wrong with me, uh, oh, a shame that's come out of that, and feeling unsafe. So that's very um, helpful for me. Also, I realized that I gave up, as I mentioned before, I believe, on um, because I'd already decided I was a failure. And so one gives up trying, um, or one keeps trying but gives up succeeding and just gets stuck in, I can't do this, and being a victim at the same time. So that's all helpful. I've got some future worksheets now. Thank you very much. Very similar situations. My grandmother on my mother's side would shun, and my grandfather on my mother's side would my mother's side would beat. So um, I have both of those aspects that I shall unravel. Thank you. Well, good luck with that. It sounds like uh, a substantial amount of work. 
For sure. One thing about um, that I really appreciated about Christian Sundberg's book and his interviews <clears throat> is this awareness that he chose everything before he came down. I, that really blasted my victimhood feeling. I mean, I had that sense on the intellectual level that I'm not a victim, but I couldn't quite get a hold of it with my teeth, so to speak. And I was able to with that. I mean, like when he talked about that whole pre-birth process where very, very meticulously he and his guide went through how he would craft his future life with the help of his guide. And that so resonates for me in relation to who Rucha is, my sacred breath, and how I am guided in every moment uh, by both inner and outer means. And so uh, that also was a, felt like a big breakthrough for me. So thank you very much. Thank Christian very much and everyone who calls into the show. It's it's a delight to be here. All right, thank you. Now now, here be here now in this moment, in this place, in this um spacious place. Without yeah. racing away from it. Without racing away from it, pushing it away or having to defend my rightness because I'm so afraid if I'm not right, I shall perish. That thunderbolt out of the sky shall get me. <laughs> Got to watch out for those thunderbolts. All right. All right. Well, great thunderbolts. So thank you. I am complete. <laughs> All right. You're welcome. Blessings. I'll mute you Blessings. so you can listen in. Five six three nine 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 three five eight one. We have plenty of time for comments, questions, questions about the worksheet process, questions about what's been shared so far, or uh, assisting somebody in outlining the worksheet process if they think that would be of value for them. It is. It is useful to keep doing the worksheets even if I'm not sure what I'm doing with the worksheet process. This is one of the things that came up. I had somebody come back to therapy after a two-year hiatus, and they had been introduced to the worksheet process. And they said, you know, part of the, one of the things they wanted to do is start doing worksheets in the session because they would get stuck trying to do it perfectly when they would do it on their own, and then they would just put the worksheet aside and not do the worksheet. And what I've said, I've said it numerous times on the Internet show here recently, one of the great things about this worksheet process is you don't have to pay per worksheet. You can do as many of them as you want. You can do them on the app. You can do them online on the wagon.org website. You can do them on your own paper. All it costs you is the, the, the paper to print it on. So you don't benefit 
by trying to get the perfect thought and goal and dynamic and goal to cancel, when it slows down or inhibits your ability to do a worksheet. If you've got somebody coaching you and they can help you refine the goal and refine the thought that's causing the emotion and help you keep them all in a line so that when you cancel the thought and the goal, it resonates specifically to the whatever's been triggered in you in the moment, that's quite useful. But if you're doing these on your own and you get stuck because you think, wait a minute, that's not quite right and I should change this and I need the perfect this or that, it is hurtful rather than helpful. And what I've discovered is I'm far better off just throwing some words on the paper, spelling out the thought, spelling out the emotion that that thought is causing, spelling out the goal, or the yearning, or the thing I'm afraid of most happening, and then just taking my my best attempt at phrasing it positively, putting it on the worksheet and canceling it and doing the meditation, asking to be shown. And... Um, as we talked about with a variety of different times and ways on this show, that if I, if I have an issue get triggered in me or resonated in me, it's wisest to assume I will never be done with that issue. It's wisest for me to use the thought, oh, I think I'm done with that issue as the impetus for me to start doing more worksheets on that very issue. The, the, one of the ways that they talk about it in the way of mastery is to say, how, how could you ever be finished learning about yourself if you are part of the ever-expanding consciousness of life? You're an infinite being expanding and growing by leaps and bounds, moment to moment, how could you ever expect to be finished learning about yourself? And of course the answer is there is no finish line. There is no arriving at completion. There is only the process of life and there is only my willingness to be open and allow myself to be in the moment and fully experience it or resist it and close down and try to control. Or I think it's far better to to say try to maintain the illusion of control in the face of the actuality that we're all just in this together and it's just a flow of life. We do not control anything other than our choice of interpretation and pattern of response to life. We live in a culture that 
prompts and promotes a false sense of control and we can go for periods of time where we buy into that fantasy of control and convince ourselves temporarily we might surround ourselves by people who want to cooperate with this fantasy we have about how we're so in control and the fact of the matter is it was never real. We don't have control at that level. And it's far more useful for us to awaken to the reality of what little we actually have any control over in this life and to keep our energies specifically focused on those things we have control over but that that takes a level of willingness to see and feel and be in direct connection to the truth that many of us don't want to step into are not willing to face head-on. I had somebody else this morning, I was in a session, and they started asking me about why don't more people do this work and use these tools and improve their relationships, etc. And I don't know for, for sure why more people don't do it. My hunch is, that it's basically because it's not a quick fix. And it takes work and effort, and most of us are not convinced that it's going to be worth the effort that's required. So in this work, we just try to keep role modeling the benefits and trust that when we do a mind shifters radio show or we do a support group the perfect people are there in in that moment for that day um, hearing that presentation doing those worksheets etc and the The idea that it should be different or more people should be doing the work, etc., is just a silliness. It takes the pressure off of me when I keep reminding myself that there's far more going on here than I know about. And it's not up to me to orchestrate or even be able to understand all that goes on in the flow of life. It's far more beneficial for me to step into a position like the position of appreciation, to just sit back like I'm watching a movie or a play or a symphony 
I don't have to know how the harp and how the horn and how the bassoon all make such beautiful sounds. I can still appreciate it. I don't have to have, you know, advanced degrees in music theory to appreciate a symphony concert. It's like the process of life. I don't have to understand how this and that that I would label as difficult or bad or wrong is eventually going to work out for the best. I don't have to be able to understand any of that to just settle back into the trust and the appreciation of the gift of life and my ability to be here observing. And that that state of appreciation, that energy of gratitude, I can generate that in far more situations if I give up the trying to figure it out response. And that's what's recommended here. That's Michael Rice likes to talk about the number one pseudo-solution of the non-being mind is I'm going to figure it out. And in each and every worksheet, we try to remind ourselves to cancel the goal, which is some aspect of figuring things out and deciding how things should go. Just cancel it. And ask to be shown something else. And that process, that willingness, that action is immensely valuable. It's been demonstrated countless times as I've done worksheets, as I've done the uh, targeted journaling that Michael calls the mind shifter, just ask to be shown and trust the flow of whatever unfolds. So we've got about 12 or 13 minutes left. Our call-in number is 563-999-3581. How can we support you? What is a comment or a question or an observation you'd like to share with us? Call that number and press 1, 563-999-3581. And we can have a conversation. Is it snowing where you are? Are you in uh, tucked in some bunker waiting for the worst snowstorm of the year? We have people calling and canceling therapy sessions today because of the the threat of four to seven inches of snow. Area code 760, you're in the air. Hey, this is Anne. And Hello, for me, anyway, for somebody, I have no snow happening here in Florida, so <laughs> um, but I'll be thinking about those people with the storms up there. Um, so what I like about what you brought up today in relation to working out, um, because I'm, I've been resistant to do, get back into that, which I have begun it, and I've witnessed, you know, what you're saying. I couldn't start with the, because I hadn't been doing it in a while, I couldn't start with the heaviest weight, you know, and one of those days I... I forgot the weight that I left off with the day before that um, produced the painful muscles 
And so I knew I had to get back into it, and I resisted it for one more day. But then I went back, and I go, okay, and now I'm fine. But I dropped it back. So it's almost like so I just wrote some notes to myself to relate this to wake-up sheets because I'm so resistant to them and have been. I'll do them mentally, but I know for me, writing it down, putting it on paper works the best. So I said, so if I start with the lightweight, i.e. the just a few wake-up sheets, you know, that's my lightweight, then I build my strength with the heavier weights. Um, I work up to the heavier weights. I don't just jump, you know, from 5 pounds to 15 pounds. Um, so I'm relating it. So in my wake-up sheets, then I'm, I want to set a goal to, okay, if I start out a couple and then I build it up. So I'm building strength to doing them without resistance. Or, I don't know. I'm just putting it in my words to, to work for me. But um, so I, I like that you brought that up because I'm in the midst of doing, you know, the actual weights, bearing exercises and stuff. So it's like one more thing. Some things, you know, different things work for different people. And it's like I think for me um, this has helped. So I – when we're done with the show, I'm going to do my first two wake-up sheets so that I can get this going. And this is the day that I'm working out anyway with the real regular weight. So, um, and I'm breathing. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I don't know. It's just always these different things that, that work differently for all of us because we're all different anyway. Thank you for continuing well, on because, like, the more you say things, the more it triggers, okay, well, that one's going to work for me. And I'll try it. If it doesn't work, okay, wait. Keep listening. Anyway, thank you. Well, you're welcome. And, of course, we have a number of people who've come to the support groups over the years who hit a dry spell or they hit a, a, a you know, writer's block or worksheet block and they – try as they might they can't either get through a worksheet or they can't bring themselves to start a worksheet and again what we recommend what i recommend most is be gentle with yourself there may be a period of time where the worksheet isn't the most appropriate tool for you for a while it might be that you know the the only thing that will work is for you to actually forge through a few worksheets but if you are beating yourself up over the, your lack of willingness or inability to do a certain worksheet that's not useful that's right. pouring right. your mind energy into mm-hmm. negative thoughts negative emotions and that can't ever lead to a more loving flexible uh, high-functioning state of mind. You know, I remember years ago we would have um, people talk about, let's get together and get accountability partners and decide to do five worksheets a day for 40 days. Right. And I've, I've participated in that at least twice, if not three times uh, over the years. And each time I had an accountability partner... I ended up talking on the Internet show about how the anger 
the beating each other up, the beating myself up, the being angry at my accountability partner because he or she hasn't done their five worksheets a day is just counterproductive. It is a waste of good mental energy. And and I, Mm -hmm. I really like to remind people that whenever I use a tool, a tool is always going to produce results like the tool. I can't rage my way into a peaceful state of mind. I can't do violence to somebody to to get to a more loving state. <laughs> so while the the it might be there might be some absolute truth that the only way I'm going to get past this blockage I have about doing reality management worksheets might be to force myself eventually to do some reality management worksheets. And at the same time that's true, it is not beneficial for me to berate myself. Mm-hmm. Right. For for spending yet another afternoon or evening doing something other than a worksheet process. Right, right. And if I am, am willing to explore it if I'm willing to explore it gently with childlike mm-hmm. curiosity, I might uncover some of the dynamics that have me stuck. One of the things we would talk about when this would come up in the past is people say, but a commitment, you've got to stick to your commitment. If you don't, your life is going to the toilet, and et cetera. And people would get very vehement and sometimes aggressive about it. And I would recommend an entirely different approach that says, with childlike curiosity, why don't I start questioning, gee, Tim, what was going on with you when you decided to make this commitment to do five worksheets a day for 40 days or whatever the commitment was? And evaluate, what was my goal? What did I want to accomplish? And did I say yes to it simply because I wanted to fit in with others because I thought that was their expectation of me? Mm-hmm. Did I say yes to mm-hmm. it because I, I felt embarrassed because somebody else who I think is not as spiritual as me um, is doing it for the third time and I haven't even done it once yet, so I better get on board? What was going on inside me that motivated me to make a commitment that now I don't want to keep up with. So that's one level of inquiry that's extraordinarily useful for me. I might uncover, oh, I really should, instead of putting my nose to the grindstone and making good on this commitment, I would be better off doing an analysis of how I get hooked into agreeing to do things that I don't really want to do. And what are those dynamics? And how about if I do some worksheets on that shame or fear or guilt or sense of inadequacy or pride and start dismantling that rather than just trying to force myself to comply with a commitment I made days, weeks, months, years, or or even hours ago that I don't really want to do. And my life will probably get better 
as I get more clear about what are my priorities in life, what are what are the prime things I want to spend my mind, body, energy on as I move through the day, and I get more selective about the commitments I make, and I will probably find that I keep many more of those commitments because I've thought about them. They're in alignment with my values and priorities. They're in alignment with my secondary purpose, et cetera, et cetera. And I can do yeah. all of that without being angry at myself. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote that. The, the childlike curiosity is definitely exploring gently. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I've had all those thoughts that you just ran through that the group would come up with. <laughs> so, and it is about, yeah, saying yes when I don't really want to say yes. Getting myself into things. Yeah. Okay. That's all good. And I like the word that I wrote down, too, when you were talking about flexible. Um, we were taught in teaching, you know, to be flexible, and 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 you had to be. I mean, because you could have the greatest plans and something will happen in the classroom, and, oh, well, now this looks like a better opportunity to do this, so let's, you know, I'm going to do that. But, um, yeah, so to apply that flexibility, um I get to a point where I only do half a wake-up sheet, then let it rest. And yeah, I think that the the journaling um, helps better. So I might start with that then to get me going. But anyway, I like I like the weight thing and comparison. So I'll I'll. Look at that with a childlike curiosity and see how that fits. <laughs> All right. Thank well, you. Well, I wish you luck with that. Blessings. Thank you. Yeah. Blessings. I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of this stuff we call love. We actually are love, the energy of creation, expressing in form. And everything else is false. And I'll welcome Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim. I appreciate it. Hope you have a good rest of your day. Thanks, you too. Blessings. Thanks. All right. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Mind Shifters Radio. And today is Thursday, February the 16th, 2023. And our call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And I will, while we're waiting on Michael to dial in, I'll direct you to our website, whyagain.org. And look around. There are things that are changing every day. Go under schedule, and you can click on uh, the flyers and publicity and intensive brochure link. And you can scroll down through there, and it gives you the information on the free three-hour Y workshop that you can access. It gives you the details for the self-study for the codependence to interdependence. We have several people that are doing that right now, and that's online at your own pace, and and, uh, we're hearing some amazing results on that. If you're one of the people who are participating in that, press 1 and give us your update of, of any changes or what you're seeing or what you're experiencing. You can also access the online monthly membership for the Still Point Breathing. 
gives you the information on that. And if you're interested in participating in that, then please drop me a line at Jeannie, J-E-A-N-I, at whyagain.org, or call us. Uh, Michael's number is listed right there. Uh, the Global Book Club, we will not be doing um, next Thursday because Yink has taken an intermission. Then below those, you'll see a link. Um, we're still on the schedules, the flyers and publicity. You'll see a link for Heartland Intensives and get the updates for what's going to happen in 2023 right there. There's things underneath um, in Michael's words. There are a lot of meditations and stories and things, articles that he's written. Uh, some of those will, are new. If you'll tap into those and enjoy reading, go to our uh, YouTube channel. And you can do that if you're on the Why Again site. Up in the top right corner, there is links that will directly take you to our Why Again Facebook page, to our Vimeo page, to our YouTube page, to iHeartRadio. So you can just, with one click, it'll take you directly there to that. So go out and look around and, and see what's different. The new worksheets are out there. The seven-step short form that Michael did. If you go to the website, you can either just click on the, there's a big blue button that says Wake Up Sheets. You can click on it and then be redirected, or you can just type in whyagain.org forward slash Wake Up Sheet, and that will take you directly to where there is the current, and right below it is the seven-step short, and he just revised that on the 11th. And there is a link, they went over that, short form in the Global Book Club on February the 9th. And so I've included a direct link to that YouTube that you can click and and follow along step by step on that new form. So uh, if you have a question or a comment, press 1. That puts your hand up in the switchboard, and I know you want to talk to us. The chat room's acting really weird again today, and I've written to them several times, but uh, it just seems like it keeps spinning and Nothing's happening. So if you're trying to get in through the chat room, it's just um, it's a technical issue on their part. So I just now tried to refresh, and it's, uh, it let me in that time, but there is nobody. It shows nobody else is there. So if you're out there listening, or you're on another station where we can't see you, uh, dial in to five six three nine 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 three five eight one and press one. And welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. Delighted that you're here. Once again, we get to play. And I'd like to start out today, I actually was working with someone, and uh, a poem came up that we've shared prior, previously on uh, on the show. But it seemed appropriate to uh, to bring it forward once again. It's pretty impactful. <clears throat> This is something that, uh, oh, way back, almost 50 years ago, when I was in the restaurant business on Mother's Day, I would print this on the menu for Mother's Day as a souvenir. And the poem's called Desiderata. It was written in 1927 by a man named Max Ehrman. It was actually published by somebody that said it was found in a church somewhere back in, I think it was the 1500s, but it was actually written by Max Ehrman in 1927. It's called Desiderata. 
Go placidly amid the noise and the haste, and remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly, and listen to others, even the dull and the ignorant. They too have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexations to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, you will become vain and bitter, for always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. Does not bind you to what virtue, pardon me, blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere life is full of heroism. Be yourself, especially do not feign affection. Neither be cynical about love, <clears throat> for in the face of all aridity and disenchantment, it is as perennial as the, gra- the grass. Take kindly the counsel of the years, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. Nurture strength of spirit to shield you in sudden misfortune. But do not distress yourself with dark imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here, and whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be. And whatever your labors and aspirations and the noisy confusion of life, keep peace in your soul. With all its sham, drudgery, and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful. Strive to be happy. Powerful piece of uh, of insight for someone who wrote it, oh, almost a century ago now. Pretty sweet. And, of course, one of the ways of achieving what this beautiful piece of writing offers is to remove from your mind those things that would take you in directions other than experiencing yourself and your life as the presence of love. Most of what Ehrman counsels there I should say counsels against, are nothing but fabrications of the mind. And those who become lost in those fabrications become lost in things that they think are real outside of them but are only realities within their own minds. And as we wake up to the truth of who we are, the again, the things that he counsels against 
as we wake up to who we are, will tend to disappear from our lives because as creators, we set them up, we create them. Yes, now often they show up seemingly from the outside world, but they only show up from the outside world because inside of us, we invite, we ask, we create. And when we recognize the power of our words, the power of the command we give the universe through words, pretty powerful place to be. And of course, if you work against the things that you don't want happening in your life with your words, tendency will be to spend a lot of time speaking words about those things that you don't want. And by the simple speaking of them, because we live in a vibratory world, those energetic patterns, those vibrations that we engage in, even though we say, I don't ever want this to happen, by simply engaging in the words, we bring about the result. And so the removal of that which never belonged becomes key in the process, creating a life filled with the active presence of love, with human life. We started on a, a path yesterday looking at some of the keys to healing. And I'd like to kind of continue with that conversation today. And remind everyone that power of healing lies within you. If you want a true solution to any challenge in your life, especially if your mind tells you the problem's out there, be prepared to invest yourself in an unlearning, relearning experience. There are people out there who will counsel, be a positive thinker. But if you're engaged in premature positive thinking, positive thinking on top of a negative foundation, the negative foundation will always rule. That's why it's so important to go into those hidden parts of the mind and unlearn, undo those things that never belonged. And we invite you to enter into the process of inner dialogue, inner search. And if you want to achieve a state of a serene life, then you're going to have to become a student, an observer of your own mind, and learn properly how to interpret your words, how to recognize the energetic distress and alarm signals, given by your own body, mind, nervous system. <clears throat> this is the very first step in true healing. To interpret correctly now, because we, as I said yesterday, you know, being born into this world of conflict, being structured in the beliefs of the world, virtually everyone, unless their minds are carefully guarded by their caretakers, Virtually everyone becomes a card-carrying member of the one world religion of blame. 
And leaving that religion is a difficult challenge. Leaving the language behind that blames somebody else for what our mind and physiology are producing is a big challenge because once we instruct the mind to show us that the outer world is the problem, our mind will show us what appears to be an outer world, and it will convince us that that's the problem. But the world we're looking at is one projected from our own brains. Each dynamic that happens within it is reflective of what's going on within the mind. So we live in a culture, and, and this culture has a specialty. And that is through any means possible to turn off, deny, ignore, or project rather than properly address the stress signals given by our own structure. And as a result of that, people literally die. Now, of course, this creates fortunes for those who keep people focused on the external world and anesthetizing themselves against their pain. Drugs, alcohol, adulterated what they call foods, but they're not actually even foods. Fear, hostility, politics, entertainment, even busyness can all work to anesthetize us and block our ability to properly interpret what our nervous system is telling us. You might remember the journalist Bill Moyers, PBS fame, award-winning journalist, honorary degrees. He summed up the challenge when he said, I hear an almost inaudible but pervasive discontent with the price we pay for our current materialism. And, he says, I hear a fluttering of hope that there might be more to life than bread and circuses. You know, the Romans recognized that if they gave pe- kept people's bellies full and they gave them lots of entertainment, they could get away with just about anything. And so we're with this work, hoping to offer each person support in expanding their horizons in the arena of self-care, self-healing, and literally how to make your unconscious mind, your biology and your nervous system life-friendly. They're not skills that the average mind has ever even heard of, let alone been taught. If you have perspectives and insights, tools, or methods that will improve or add to what we're offering, we're here to hear about it. Anything that you've experienced that has taken you into a deeper space of self-awareness and self-healing, we want to know about it. Otherwise, if people don't acquire tools and don't change, when people want change in their lives, the first thing they have to do is change. And one of the biggest things that people resist is change. There was a political cartoon that came across my Facebook page a while back, and 
here's this politician standing up in front of an, you know, an orator in front of a group, you know, and his oration is about, you know, it's time for change. How many want change? And, you know, everybody in the audience is throwing their hats up in the air and they're all excited. Yay. And then the next frame, the same politician is saying, okay, how many want to change? And everybody's looking down at their feet. No, no, it's the other people that need to change, not me. If you want serenity in your physiology, you will find that the only thing that has ever disturbed your physiology is in your physiology. Well, Michael, what about that atrocity that happened out there that I saw yesterday? Yes, I saw that same atrocity. And I noticed that one person in the crowd was enraged. They said ringed by it, but no, they were just enraged. Somebody else in the crowd went, oh, I'm so terribly frightened by that, as though something outside of them could frighten them. If the habits of mind based in hostility or fear are never overcome, then serenity will elude you if you don't have it already. I like how Henry Ford said it. He said, if you always do what you've always done, You'll always get what you've always gotten. And that's kind of, you know, that's like that's the understatement of the century. In our modern world where we think we know it all, the mind is probably the most poorly, pardon me, the least understood, the most poorly managed device in the world. One thing we do know about the mind is that, like the operation of a computer, if the inputs, you know, with the computer, if the internet connection, the modem, the keyboard are faulty, every function of the computer is going to be unstable. And so it is with the human mind and body. It's set. It's inputs when optimized. Empower one in living in a truly fulfilled space. In traumatized family, community systems, the controlling dynamics of the nervous systems and the minds involved often go totally unrecognized and, of course, misinterpreted when those signals come from the nervous system. A signal of hostility doesn't mean somebody outside of you is the problem in your life. A signal of fear doesn't mean something outside of you is going to deliver terror and trauma. It means that there's something going on inside of you that you need to learn to read correctly rather than project into your brain's image of others and, you know, playing out as a member that one world religion of blame. Your nervous system will not warn you that somebody else is the problem in your life. Your nervous system will only warn you of what's held in your nervous system. Though your mind can turn that warning around and make it about somebody else. You know, in the 50-plus years that I've spent developing what we're engaging in here, what we've been engaging in, you know, we've had a, a, an ongoing, continuing conversation for the last 12 years now. i come to realize that the functioning and healing of the human mind, the human body, the human nervous system, is really a, a completely understandable process. If one is willing to honor truth, has patience, and the, the, the courage to challenge false beliefs. And for that to happen, one has to open to new possibilities. Oh, how many want to change? 
If your impulse isn't to instantly put your hand up and give a yay to that, then you might want to look at how the mind can be stuck in a state of inertia. And if you remember from physics class in high school, the word inertia describes a body that's in a, going in a particular direction at a particular rate of speed and is going to continue to move in that direction at that rate of speed until it's acted upon by an outside force. Are you willing to challenge your inertia-bound mind and false beliefs in order to make space for new possibilities? And, of course, we've been taught that the body and the mind are two different things. That's one of the first pieces of misinformation that we need to correct. The words mind and body represent exactly the same singular experience. The only difference between them is the perspective. All physical disease is a result of mental illness. If you go to the opening words in the book of John, it does not say in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh. It says in the beginning was the mind energy and the mind energy became flesh. Your mind energy becomes your flesh. My mind energy becomes my flesh. Your mind energy can't become my flesh. Only mine can. But if my mind is telling me that it's you that's doing this to me, then I'm in a lie that I need to confront. So often people engage in treatment that they're told creates side effects, but in fact, there is no treatment in the world that creates side effects. That's a little uh, lie that the world has made up in order to sell toxic drugs. There are no side effects to drugs. Drugs cause diseases. Every one of them is a disease disguised as a cure. Not saying that they can't ameliorate a set of symptoms, but you'll never find a drug that does any healing. And if you look at the label on every one, there's an insert in the package, and it'll tell you all the diseases that it causes. Treatment that creates toxic side effects is a disease-causing agent that's disguised as a cure. If you go to PubMed and you look up the word pharmacy, it'll tell you that it's a Greek term, which means to charm or to enchant. So pharmaco, magic, charm, cure, potion, medicine. And comes to mind George Bernard Shaw, who says, beware of false knowledge. It is more dangerous than ignorance. In the computer world, faulty inputs are labeled as corrupt data. And if they're not corrected, everybody knows the computer is going to fail to complete any task you give it successfully. Highly functioning, reliable mind, body, nervous system always creates success within the confines of existing circumstances. Always. Always. It's reliable. Now, somehow, 
people think they can produce ascendancy in life without addressing the incoherence within themselves. No, I don't need to look at that horrible trauma that happened to me when I was four. I don't need to know anything about the terrors and traumas my parents went through. I can rise above it. I'm a positive thinker. Well, what you'll notice is what happens with the positive thinker is they can go on for so long producing the positive result until the positive result becomes more burdensome than the toxic traumas within them. And then the results collapse. They crash. It's like having a, a building that the, the foundation is designed to handle two stories. And, well, you know, you might be able to get a third story on there and it might stand. You might even be able to put a fourth story on it. But the first big wind that comes along, that building's going over. Premature positive thinking is a disorder. We need to go in and clean up the root energetic patterns within ourselves. And if there are energetic patterns that are incoherent, what do incoherent energetic patterns look like in a human form? They look like hostility and fear who have not addressed what's gone on or what's going on or what they're carrying around inside of them, somehow, you know, if they haven't healed their fearful or hostile structures, fantasize that they can produce high-level outcomes. Now think about it, you know. How, how does one expect high-level outcomes in the presence of internal defective corrupt data? It's never happened and it never will. And of course, once again, the person who lives in that fantasy will always worship at the altar of the one world religion of blame, guilt, and victimhood. It will always be somebody else's fault. And the human realm will always produce pain, suffering, and failure. And unfortunately, rage, conflict, relationship failure today are so common that it's just thought of as natural. Well, you know, it's just kind of part of the process. And while self-deprecation and failure become the norm for so many, it seems like it's unavoidable, failure is anything but natural. It becomes the norm to those who come from family systems and cultural systems that thrive on failure. And usually the one who profits from that failure is the king. Today, the name for king is corporation or oftentimes politician. Like a computer, high levels of success in the human realm are the result of one thing, reliable data processed through a solid functional device. Now, you'll notice you'll never hear a computer degrade itself. That would be a result of corrupt data. Oh, I can't do that. Notice how often you hear humans do exactly that. But when troubles come, those same humans proclaim themselves innocent victims and it's all somebody else's fault. Such conflicts are always a reflection of functioning out of hidden corrupt data. Results are never just the luck of the draw. Burn into your brain. Anything based in fear or hostility corrupts the functioning of the human mind, body, and nervous system. 
It's just the way it works. And if you ever question that, just notice that every time in your life that you've ever done something that today you regret, the feeling, the emotion that was moving in you that motivated you to do whatever it did, that you, that whatever it was that you did, was what? Some form of hostility or fear. That's what was moving at the root of that behavior that you now regret. Regret comes from corrupt data of fear and hostility being used to produce the perceptual constructs of the mind. And when fear or hostility goes unaddressed in a relationship, family, a community, a nation, or between nations, it's 100% predictable that people are going to suffer and lives will be destroyed. You know, one of the uh, wealthiest and most respected billionaires in today's world is Warren Buffett. He says the most important investment you can make is in yourself. And the investment to make in yourself is cleaning up your own structure. The generational content within your own body-mind unit Now, this is a principle that's been recognized for thousands of years, and many people want to deny it because of the work they need to do around that principle. One's initial relationships must be secure to have a highly functioning, reliable mind-body to function through. And, you know... There are many false definitions of success in our world. And we need to redefine these things, you know. For instance, we've all heard of the billionaire whose marriages fail, their children commit suicide. And, you know, think about it. It takes an extreme amount of self-deception to go, now there's a successful man or there's a successful woman. Full of money makes one successful? No. So ultimately, if there's been damage inflicted in one's early life, the traumas held from that and or in their generational life, the traumas held must be healed. And when they are, they become a starting point. Lays a foundation for joy, aliveness, stability and a fulfilled life. Now, those who don't know any better would rather hide those healing opportunities, wondering why their lives are scarred repeatedly by family conflict, by unhappiness, physical strain, shutdown illness, pain, alcohol, drug abuse, overeating, or financial failure. Gee, why are these things happening? Because the source of them has a defect in it. And, 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 and to recognize that if, if that's your state of existence at this point, it's not that the defect is you. There are no defective people. Each one of us is made of exactly the same stuff as every other one of us. 
However, if there's defective content within the generational patterning, within the community patterning, that's when the healing needs to be done. You know, unresolved ancient inputs, including generational traumas, skeletons hidden in the family closet, inevitably, sooner or later, exert their influence on the body-mind, and usually those things happen at the most important and inopportune times. Carl Jung had a really powerful way of speaking of this. He said this, until the unconscious becomes conscious, it will direct our lives to freeing the body-mind unit, the nervous system, from past inflicted physical, mental, emotional traumas is to reset and open the energy flow in this body-mind so it's receptive to that state of joy and well-being and aliveness. And interestingly enough, there's, there's a protocol for achieving that. It starts with your mindset. And physiological responses when you're thinking of or interacting with parents. They're a key. You might remember there was a commandment that said, honor your father and your mother. It wasn't so that you'd be a nice guy. You'll notice that in Yeshua's teaching, they asked him what's most important in the law, and he says, not love your neighbor, love God as yourself, but rather it says have rachma, which is a condition. And there isn't even a word for it in our culture. It's a condition in the frontal lobes of the brain, the opening through which love, human life, enters the human form. So that's got to be active in you for anybody. Because once you think of someone, they're your neighbor. So for the creator, for self, and for anybody that you think about, the requirement there is to... have that condition of love in your mind, that gateway open so that that condition of love is there. And the reason for this commandment, and it is a commandment, I mean, people can throw it out if they like, but, but you'll notice it doesn't say have rotten for them like it does for everybody else. It's just one set of people, parents, or those who acted as parents, that this requirement is set for. And the word isn't have rachma, or as the Greeks translated love, the word is honor. And that commandment is for the person who has a multi-generational database where there's any unresolved trauma, especially relating to parents. Because if one, and, and the word honor there would be bring love into action toward. And the more trauma there was in a parental relationship, the more important it is to honor that parent. Because when you do, here's what happens. You're bringing love, or pardon me, you're, you're taking action toward them based in love. And to do that, love has to be moving through your physiology. So you are the beneficiary of that commandment, not parents. Yeah, there'll be a side beneficiary, but the prime beneficiary of living that, honoring parents, bringing love into action toward parents. Remember that line in the worksheet that says, you get the original, they get the carbon copy. 
the constructs in your mind that you hold in regard to your first authority are urgent to building a solid life. And if you don't clean it up, a solid life is going to be virtually impossible to achieve. Because if one is intentioned in the presence of an abusive parent, restriction of blood and energy flow will impact health in a myriad of ways. And remember that the body-mind unit can't tell the difference between a real or an imagined experience. If a past unresolved traumatic experience is triggered into activity, our biology relives it. Nervousness, sweaty palms, shortening or quickening of breath, gut pain, hot flashes, headaches, back pain are all reflections of the energetic patterns moving within our system. And they are not caused by someone else. They are caused by the fact that they're there. If one's in that trauma state physiologically and the cognitive part of the brain re-experiences the trauma behind what's happening physiologically, we call that a flashback. But most people live their lives so as to block the flashbacks, to block the awareness of what it is that's behind those states. You know, if you've ever had fear, quote-unquote, hit you in the gut, What happened? If you've ever gone into a fit of rage, notice what you have to do to your body-mind to express those corrupted, corrupting energies. Medically, the physical condition we're talking about there is called sympathetic dominance. It's a state of fear, fright, flight, freeze, and fawning. And all of that ultimately needs to be cleaned up if we're going to truly live as human beings. So there's a foundation for where we want to go. And I just hope that it opens a space for some conversation. Went a little longer than I expected to with those ideas. But Miss Jeannie... Do we have anybody out there in the phone queue with a hand up or anybody in the chat room with a thought for us? No, it's all quiet out here, and we are down to 19 minutes. So somebody press 1. Put your hand up. And I don't fly, so you have fun. Up, but I know. I think it's left over from talking with Dr. Tim, but I'll turn on her microphone and see. Ms. Celinda, did you raise your hand a second time, or is this left over? left over, but I was thinking of raising my hand. Well, welcome. How are you? Good. Good. I'm rocking. Sweet. Yep. Got a bunch of worksheets in my mind um, set up. Uh, first, up, my first priority is to get a, an amends letter out to a friend of mine of uh, 40 some years, 50 years maybe. Um, mm. and yeah, for situation that I never uh, revealed to her and I just want to make sure that before either one of us die, of course, there's no surety here, 
but that she would be willing to uh, read the letter because she's recently dropped me and I don't know. I keep trying to contact her and I know she dropped one phone, but I have a feeling that hopefully she will read this letter. If not, it's done on my end. <laughs> it's been offered. So, Pardon? I say it's been offered. That's the important thing. Right. Right, and I do. That's how you receive like it. We're just speaking about it. Yeah, right, exactly. And to receive the um, self-forgiveness, so I can be done with my dismantling of all this, my canceling of my goals. Um, I didn't tell her the truth earlier when I had an opportunity to, because I was afraid of losing her friendship, and then all of a sudden. Not all of a sudden, but through several different worksheets, I realized, well, uh, who's more important (laughs) following the laws of life and um, the vision of the creator or putting this friend in that that place? So I said, nah, it's got to be done. (laughs) Question. uh, set, Set my rudder home. I don't have to do anything, by the way. I think I'm going to choose to set, set my, reset my rudder and get myself back on, um, on compass here. Yes? Cool. Question. So have you done any worksheets on the fear that had you interacting with her like that? Yes. Yes, I have. Awesome. Yeah, I feel really well, that's... I did some... <clears throat> Some mind shifter. I'm doing a mind shifter that Dr. Tim gave me, and a whole bunch of things are beginning to line up now for me. And then uh, Magda, Magda has a new, very simple, very direct mind shifter that Dr. Tim gave her. And I went, oh, this is the next mind shifter for me, and I'm just about ready to jump over. <laughs> nice, nice. Stepping stones, stepping stones, right? Absolutely, and we'll hold the space for whatever the fear is that had you, that inhibited you from being able to be honest with her. Uh, you can literally remove from your physiology, so the truth is safe, just safe to be with. That's one of the primary lessons I'm learning through all these um, different uh, means I'm using, finding my way. Finding the mind shifter really helps a lot, and I think I, it's simple, and keeping it simple, and then it directs me to what I need to work with on the worksheet. Awesome. <laughs> and it's a sweet tool, myself. isn't it? Yeah. I, I like the mind shifter a lot, and um, I... My um, willingness, um, I've come to a very gentle acceptance of my willingness or non-willingness, almost a very simple trusting that um, I've known what I've done in the past, and whenever I've been 100% willing in the past, uh, the, the change, the turning is very swift, very swift, and very calm because I know what I have to do. I don't have to do anything. As the way a mastery says, I know what I am being responsible for myself and other and choosing to do in this moment. I'm still working with language in here. Sweet. But at least I know what it's talking about when I when I say, Oh, wait, 
I thought I was giving that word, uh, canceling that word from my vocabulary. So let's go back and cancel it and replace it with something uh, more helpful. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so awesome. I, I thank you for reading the Des, Desiderata. Is that what it is? I forget. Yes. I never mm-hmm. remember. Okay, the Desiderata. Uh, to one of my favorites, and every now and then I run across it again. Um, and I also have a little quote for you for what you were talking about at the beginning of the show about being responsible and about it, the one world religion of blame. There's a wonderful African proverb that I ran across in a series of checks I bought, <laughs> and I chose that particular African theme. And And uh, the quote is this, when there is no enemy within, the enemy without can do no harm. That's pretty close to the truth. Yep. Yep, I'm sure. Because, of course, if there's no enemy within, there, there cannot be an enemy without. That's true, but it's certainly just, a lot closer than what we've got, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I just sent you a link to uh, to the Deserata poem that you can print off if you want to just oh. frame it and put it on your wall. Or actually, the, I the link I sent you also has pre-printed, you know, nicely printed posters you can get, you know, relatively inexpensively. Right, right. I'll just take it down and have it printed out and shower it around. (laughs) Cool. It's a sweet one. Okay, that's all I have to say, and I just wanted to thank you for today's um, very tightly knit presentation, I felt, at least for me. It uh, really connected things together in a nice, tight weave, so thank you. Awesome. All right, young lady. Delighted to be here to support you. Appreciate you having a listening ear so we have a place to speak it. There you go. Oh, I was speaking of a listening ear. I was thinking about this in relation to the chakra system. I've been thinking a lot, you know, why am I dealing with this cataract? And I came to the um, just a very tentative observation here uh, is that for me the eyes, represent they they are connected straight to the forebrain and the the perception of the world but the ears come from the heart and the heart perception of the world so i i like that i like to think of little cause whispering in my ear <laughs> or the sound of my breath going through my body guiding me, always guiding me if I'm paying attention and willing. And then the eyes are just about am I, what am I going to perceive out there? What am I going to intend out there? Rahma and Kuba. So I thought I'd share that with you. Sweet. That's awesome. just a, a That's little, interesting. little brush stroke there that seemed helpful right. for me. All right. Thank you. It's interesting that um, you know one of the things that tell us about the sense of smell is that it most rapidly goes right to the primitive brain and can elicit uh, some of the most primitive responses because of it, where it's connected in. So 
as you talk about the eyes right. and the ears. Right. There would be more a, a body thing and also taste because smell is an extension from what I had understood unless new science has shown differently that smell is an extension of taste. It was how the uh, evolving species was able not only to spit out something that was toxic, but to smell something in the air around about, about another person or whatever, coming emanated from another person or thing or place or air. And uh, I thought, I think that's fascinating too. That's toxic, yeah. Or pleasurable for either going towards or away from a protective. But sweet. just think how how sweet that sweet exactly that smell is. I mean, you know, dive your nose into a lily or a rose or a plumeria um, flower. Dive it into marjoram. I mean, you can grow marjoram there. Just go get a marjoram plant and and just uh, squat down in the grass or lay down in the in the bed, in the pathway, and, and smell that margin. The first time I ever smelled that smell was in a very costly French. <laughs> it's beautiful. Interesting. So grow margin. Very cool. All right. Take care. Love you both. Oh, All right. Let's love and blessings. I'm expressing, my, I'm expressing my love to you both by actively honoring you with it. There you go. Received and accepted. <laughs> okay. Take care. All right. Have a blessed one. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. By the way, I, I did, as we were talking about the Desiderata poem, I did look on Amazon, and they also have several different copies of it, framed and unframed and such. So there are many places to get a hold of that poster. Also copied and pasted into the notes for today. Thanks, sweetie. You are now, so on top of everything. You, what was it you said about the smell again? That smell goes right to the primitive brain. The sense of smell is the most direct access to right back to the the reptilian part of the brain. So what happens when, like I had COVID and it took over a year for me to get my smell back. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, did that give me a year? No, it didn't. I started say, did it give me a year's reprieve from the primitive? <laughs> 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 no, it did not. <laughs> well, I'm still giving you opportunities, hey, sweetie. Uh, oh, and well. giving you opportunities, too. You live with me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yes. Opportunities to learn forgiveness. How cool is that? So we have seven minutes. We've got plenty of time to cover another topic. Press one. Yes. Any other news on Heartland? Not at the moment. Haven't heard back from from him yet, no. So if you're out there in listener land, 
If you're on one of those stations where we can't see you, our call-in number is 563-999-3581. If you call that number, you're listening to the show directly. And then if you ask a question, or pardon me, if you want to ask a question or have a comment, push 1, raise a hand in the control panel, a hand in the control panel and uh, Miss Jeannie will introduce you by area code. We'll have a conversation. So how can we support you? What's on your mind? And if nobody has a thought, complete with my thoughts for today, I'd certainly rather fill the next few minutes with a conversation. But if everybody's complete with that and no one has a question for us, then Miss Jeannie... What do you say? We just say thank everybody for joining us and invite everyone to have the best year yet of your eternal life and see you tomorrow. Blessings. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet, as we present the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on MindShifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www dot w h y a g a i n dot org